your hour of drive time begins now with your host, Jay Mamie, on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Good day, everyone, and welcome once again to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. This is Jay Mamie, and you have now entered your hour of Thrive Time. I want to thank you for taking the time out to join us on our show today. I promise you today's show is going to be yet another example of why your time invested to hear this program will continue to deliver dividends as we dive into a program today that is going to allow you to recognize resources that are available to you as you're pursuing thriving. On the show today, we're going to have the president and CEO of World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth, Liz Brailsford. It will be joining us today. We're going to have a conversation about the knowledge that is needed. If you're going to have success in business, in your professional career, and quite frankly, in in the the pursuit of, of knowledge. Why international knowledge and knowing what's happening around the world can benefit you as you are positioning yourself for success in the areas of professional development and business and career enhancement. Quite frankly, in, in any area of your life where you want to become a better version of yourself, you have to know the international components that are important that can affect your ability to thrive here in the U.S. She's a subject matter expert in that arena. Looking forward to hearing from Liz Brailsford. And on the heels of that, we're going to hear from the CEO of Cancer Support Community, North Texas. I had an interesting conversation with Michelle Louis because there are those that obviously are challenged with the 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 situation of cancer and, and, and either where they're early in diagnosis or they're in treatment, we often forget that it's not just those that are in the, in the heat of that battle with cancer, but also those that are their uh, supporters, their loved ones, their, their family, their friends, their co-workers. You know, when someone is diagnosed with cancer and they begin that journey, it's not just them alone. It's them and those that are around them. Everybody's affected. So how do we help those that are not only struggling with the diagnosis and in treatment for cancer and are concerned about the, this, this tremendous health care uh, uh, challenge that they're facing, but those around them, how do we come around them and support them? It's a topic that's not often talked about, but we're going to dive into that show, into that topic in today's show. So again, you've arrived at the right place at the right time for the right reasons. But before we go to break and bring on our first guest, I want to share with you a conversation that I had recently with one of the CEOs that I've been coaching. He's, it's a sort of a startup business, probably uh, three or five years into it. So it's not really startup, startup, but certainly it's not a company that's been around for a while, still considers a bit of a startup. Uh, so let's say five years. He called me up and someone I've been coaching for about a year now, and, and he's found it very down. He's found it very discouraged, very, I think, teetering on depression. And, and let me just say something. Many of you that are ambitious and driven and hungry are the ones that are most susceptible to finding themselves in a downward spiral of discouragement, depression, disappointment. I've talked about that in the past. So him and I were chatting about what can he do to snap out of it. And really, as I shared with him, I said, how do you re ignite your passion? How do you reignite your dream and the things that got you excited in the first place as you started this company? And he didn't have an answer for me. So as him and I sort of chatted back and forth, and I, I gave him what I'll share with you today, or the what I call the, the three R's to reignite your business, I thought to myself, you know, it's not just about reigniting a business. In this case, it was but what about reigniting your passion for your professional career? What about reigniting your passion for your, your marriage or, or your relationship or friendship or your health or reigniting failing finances? How do you do that? How do you go from a place where you are you know, on the cusp of despair, things aren't looking great, to this place where you are thriving? How do you ignite uh, that again. I mean, what what are the keys to reigniting that? Well, I'm going to share with you three, and I'm going to label, label them for this Thrive Talk section of the show. The R's, the three R's of reigniting your initiative, whatever that initiative might be. Number one, you've got to revamp. 
you've got to take a hardcore look, an honest assessment, and and look at where do I need to revamp either in my mindset, my strategies, my marketing, my language, my sales skills. Something has to be revamped if you are at a dead halt in your business, if you're losing uh, the thrill, the excitement, if you are failing in whatever it is that you're pursuing, you need to take a moment and begin to revamp what it is that you're doing. Examine what's working, what's not working. Look at the deficiencies. Look at the strong points. And if it means that you've got to take some stuff off the table uh, to, to revamp, then that's what you need to do. By the way, some of those things that need to be taken off the table could be some negative people around you. <laughs> Sometimes the revamping begins with the relationships. Boy, I could talk about that for another hour. But that might be what it, what it, it calls you to do when you're revamping because you want to reignite. Then the second thing you've got to look at is you've got to rebrand. Once you revamp and you see what needs to stay and what needs to go and what could be improved and what could be uh, what's working well, you've got to now rebrand. Rebranding means how can someone, how can the world, how can, how can the community, how can your peers, how can the public see you in a very different way? See, if the brand that you have now is not serving you, then rebranding could be part of the solution. What is a fresh new look that people can now have of you? Because if it's stale, if it's not instilling any any passion, if it's not inspiring anyone, whether it's your product, your message, your career, whatever it is, if it's not inspiring others, then you might need to take a step back, look at how you can revamp, but then rebrand yourself and come out new, come out re, uh, reassessed and, and, and hit the ground running again with a new message, new marketing, a new initiative, new pay, new people. <laughs> As I said before, that could be what rebranding calls of you. It is a kicker. You've got to recommit. See, rebranding and revamping, it's nice. You could do a great job with that. But if you aren't serious enough to lay the card out on the table and 100% recommit to reigniting your business or your, whatever it is that needs to be reignited, if you're not committed to that, if you fall short on recommitting to whatever it takes to succeed now that you've got revamping and rebranding in motion, then you're probably going to fail or you're going to find yourself falling short on the greatness that you can achieve, the joy, the peace, the happiness that you can achieve, that collaborative uh, work that, that can be done between you and others will fall short. And you might very well find yourself right back in, in, in this place in the near future because your commitment was lackluster. Revamp, rebrand, and recommit. And that's your formula to reignite. Folks, we're coming back after the break. We've got Liz Brailsford. We've got a fantastic show. We'll see you after the break. Are your sales lagging? Are you frustrated with your ability to effectively communicate the goodness of your product or service? Could your income greatly benefit from you getting better at selling? Hi, this is Jay Mamie, the host of the Jay Mamie Talk Show and the curator of the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. I want you to know that there are answers on how you can get better at the skill of selling. Go to my course, the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. Get the answers you need so you can experience the results you want. Thrive Sales Mastery. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show with your host, Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. In our feature spotlight segment today, I always appreciate introducing to you individuals that are not only impact makers, but they're decision makers that are at the cusp of knowing what it is that as a society, as the people we need in order to improve not only our understanding of what happens locally, nationally, but also internationally. And not too long ago, I was at an event, a networking event, and I had a chance to hear from our guest, our upcoming guest, Liz Brailsford, uh, her story and what brought her to Dallas and really how she's impacting people, not only locally, but I think in the future, these people will impact the world on a much larger scale. So I couldn't think of a better person to share uh, her insight in our feature spotlight for today than the president and CEO 
of World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth, but her vision goes beyond the locality, I can promise you that, than Liz Brailsford. Liz, welcome to the Jay Maney Talk Show. Jay, thank you very much for having me today. I really appreciate it. Well, you've got quite a story. I was so impressed when I heard you speak at that breakfast at Cess North Dallas a few uh, few months ago, and I thought to myself as I was sitting, I was a guest, so it, it, I was just visiting, and I just happened to visit when you were speaking. I thought to myself, what an interesting story. What a plight. What a mission. There's a story behind Liz. Let's get her on air, and let's continue to inspire our listeners with another component of thriving. But before we dive into all the goodness that you do and all the goodness that the, the council does, can you share with our audience a little bit about your story? I worked in international um, in the private sector in Minnesota, went back for a grad degree in international affairs. At the end of that, I said, okay, where do you go for global policy? Well, of course, you go to Washington, D.C. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's right. Why not, right? And mm-hmm. so I, I moved back to the East Coast went to Washington, D.C., and I ended up working, I still continued on the international path, and I ended up working at the National Office of the World Affairs Councils of America. It's kind of a mouthful, but there you go. And I was COO there and absolutely loved it. I bought into our mission, part and parcel, and that is the national office that serves the 90 World Affairs Councils in our network, and through wow. that job, I found out about the World of uh, World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth because we served all of our councils, and I tended to work with this council here in Dallas-Fort Worth more because it's a bigger and more robust council, and so I found out about the opening of president and CEO, and actually, my predecessor gave me a call one day when the application was open to talk about business, and, and he said, Liz, you should apply for the job. And I was like, I, I, thought, I thought he was joking, and I said, okay, mm-hmm. sure, and just I'll move to Dallas-Fort Worth. Um, and I thought he was, you know, playing around, but eventually we talked again, and he said, no, really, you should apply, and I ended up doing that, and I got the job, and here I am. That's a, just a wonderful journey. But, but let me ask you, before we dive into the mission and the history of World Affairs Council, because mm. as big as the organization, I mean, 90 chapters, right? Um, there's yeah. still a slew of people that, that have never heard of, of, the, uh, of the council, right? I'm sure you, you would agree with that. Um, so you could have stayed in D.C., probably continued to grow in, in, in the environment, the, the industry that you're in, maybe even pursue either your own firm or an executive firm or or something that would have continued to put you in the trajectory of top CEO somewhere. But you decided to go the nonprofit route, which is it's a decision that many don't make because it is nonprofit, and nonprofit is a whole other world. Um, what inspired you to say, yes, I'm moving to Dallas, and yes, I'm going to pursue this position in a nonprofit arena? Yeah. So really, when I was in my early 30s, that soul searching that I was doing and the mentoring that I was receiving all led me to a confirmation in my head that I wanted to give back. And I'm not saying that if you work for a for-profit private company that you're not doing that. That is not what I'm saying. There are many, many, many wonderful companies in this world that make a profit. But in my heart, I felt that I wanted to make a difference in the world and that I wanted to go the route of either nonprofit or government. So mm-hmm. when I went back to get a, a, a policy, a global policy master's degree, I decided to leave my for-profit private sector company in Minnesota and go to D.C. to do that. And so our national office is all, also nonprofit. And I felt that I was making a difference there. I'll tell you, I was there for some years, and I started to feel that I was ready for my next opportunity on my path, on the Liz path, to make a bigger difference and a bigger impact. And I felt that I was able, I was capable of more professionally. So I wanted to to flex my skill set a bit more. And so that's when I got that call from 
my predecessor, and he said, apply for it, moved to Dallas and Fort Worth. And, of course, he was not involved in my hiring process whatsoever. There was an executive mm-hmm. national search firm, and that was a tedious but well worth it process. Uh, I, I had that also, that Liz motto kick in that said, why not? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to further my, my path. I wanted a new adventure. And this has been an incredibly challenging position. It has been fun and thrilling and exciting. The memories and the activities that I have done since taking on this role are unforgettable. And I feel incredibly blessed and grateful to be in this position. It's, it's all the things. And everything that, that I did to get here to Dallas-Fort Worth has been worth it. Yeah, you know, I've always said for years, and, and all of my uh, coaching and books and everything else that I do, uh, to continue to deliver this, this impacting, thriving, uh, thriving perspective for people, is that the assignment always, the, the, the assignment will always find the right person. Mm. And in this case, your assignment found you. You didn't find it, right? And here we are. It, it was a decision made. Uh, it was a connection that was um, perfect for the both of you, right? The assignment, the task that was needed, and the person to deliver the task done well. So kudos to you for, for taking up that challenge. But let's okay. dive into – oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Let's dive into a little bit of the nooks and crannies here. Um, in, in about a minute, give me the, the mission and the history of, of the World Affairs Council, and then I'm going to ask you the knowledge of – why the knowledge of global affairs, uh, the way it affects business, not only locally, nationally as well. What kind of impact does that have? But Let's start with our listeners hearing a little bit more about the history and mission of the council. Okay, so we were founded 72 years ago in 1951. We are mm-hmm. a nonpartisan nonprofit who our mission, our mission statement is to educate and engage North Texans on all things international affairs. We have domestic in our, our mission statement, but we most, mostly focus on international affairs. I want to read one, one quote to you, and then that will tie us up for this minute. Our founder, H. Neil Mallon, wrote to President Eisenhower in 1952, the year after we were founded, our task is to interpret events on the world scene to citizens of this area and to give them a sense of participation so vital to democracy in the actions and policies of our country. Any real success accruing to our nation's conduct in world affairs must be solidly based on public understanding and approval. And we live and breathe by that quote still today. That's wonderful. And obviously 90 chapters later, um, it's resonating. I can't let you go before I go to break, but with asking you a question, based on your observation, your world travel, you mentioned you just came back from China. We're going to have a chance to chat about that in, in our follow-up segment here. But how can the knowledge of global affairs affect businesses, again, not just in our local area, but, but nationally as well, and where have you seen it make the most impact? Well, look, the world's not going away. Right? Mm-hmm. We, right? We are more, we're more connected than ever through digital connectivity and innovation, and that innovation is going at a faster speed every single day. We can either stick our heads in the sand or we can engage. And I think after World War I, to take it back there, that's where we really started to see as a nation, okay, we must engage because you either stick your head in the sand or you act. And right now, the United States is the number one country in the world. We have the largest GDP. We are often considered, or let's say all the time considered, the world leader. We decide Mm -hmm. the agendas of these world meetings. We decide who comes to these meetings. We're asked for permission on any number of things. If we want to be competitive in the world, we have to be knowledgeable of what's happening around the globe. It makes us more competitive. It plugs us in. We succeed as a nation. We succeed here in North Texas if we become more globally connected, if we're more informed international engagers. 
Let me ask you, speaking about international engagement, that's us looking outward to the rest of the world. In our final minute here, how is the world, the outside world, when they're looking over at the U.S. from an international business perspective, and you've been there, right? You've traveled. You've spoken to these folks. How does the rest of the world view our business, our culture, and then our politics? Yeah. So, you know, I was on a panel um, somewhat recently, and the panel was what the world views American society like and what they view our politics like. And, and I'll tell you, we do about 70 speaker programs every single year. In fact, just yesterday, we had, I moderated a panel with Ambassador Kay Bailey Hutchison. She was Trump's mm -hmm. uh, NATO mm -hmm. ambassador, and then also yep. the ambassador mm -hmm. from Slovakia. And Kay Bailey Hutchison is a long-term Texas senator as well. It was a wonderful uh, panel. It was about NATO mostly and what's going on in the world. But with this panel, this other panel that I moderated recently about how the world views us and including what we talked about yesterday. So the, the world mostly, it, we're seen positively about for our technology, our entertainment, our military and universities but more negatively for our healthcare system, our discrimination and the state of its democracy. I'm not mm -hmm. staking I'm not staking a claim on any of these things. I'm not um advocating for any of this in one way or another. I'm letting you know this is how the world sees us according to some research that was done by the Pew Research Center, which is a really reputable uh DC think tank. So it's interesting, and, and I can back this up with the 70 programs that we have, often with world leaders, including mm -hmm. heads of state. We had a head of state here that uh, last year and many ambassadors, and we have conversations in a very uh, open, unbiased, um, we have an open, unbiased platform here at the council. It's why we exist, to provide civil discourse but we're more polarized than ever, people think. Our state of democracy is, is in peril, and mm -hmm. it's, it's declining. It's declining, and it's dangerous, and it's awful. And we're, we're in an awful state with our politics right now, and so we talk about that quite a bit. But so there's likes, there's dislikes, but I think that uh, a lot of folks, so our view actually um, overall in, in surveys went down in recent years and, and, and more recently it's starting to rebound a bit, but those areas that I mentioned are more the specifics of that. I would imagine, uh, Liz, that the rest of the world, for all the reasons you just shared, uh, they do see us as a strength, you know, obviously as a strong world leader, but I believe they also see us at this point uh, because of the shenanigans and the things that are happening with us right now as vulnerable. And I think that's dangerous. Vulnerable in the business community, vulnerable in the military. I think we're very vulnerable. And I think that the vultures, the international vultures could see that. And we have to be very, very careful. Yeah. Uh, let me, let me tell you two quick things. Number one, mm -hmm. we had, we hosted the ambassador from Washington, DC. He's the Swiss ambassador. So the ambassador from Switzerland comes to Dallas for a program with us and this was in the summer, so uh, last winter, we, uh, Ukraine was uh, invaded by Russia, and so we had the mm -hmm. Swiss ambassador to talk about various things, but during that session, he said, look, all of you, and he kind of scolded us a little bit, he said, look, all of you in the U.S., you are, you are bickering over these, these social issues, and I'm not saying they're not important, but you're sitting here bickering over these issues. When we have Ukraine and Russia going on, we need you. We need the United States. We need your leadership. We, you cannot be bickering about all of these things. The efforts and interest and focus has to be on these grand challenges, the world's wicked challenges. And here you are sitting fighting over these tiny things. It's, it's, it's really fascinating. That's one thing. Another thing that I want to share is that I'm on a committee for uh, uh, um, getting business, attracting the business to, to North Texas. There was a mm -hmm. conversation that I had recently, and I, it, someone in the conversation asked, 
how often are we losing out on international companies and United States companies? How often are we losing out on gaining new companies, their business, to be moving here, their headquarters, or whatever offices that they're thinking of placing in North Texas? How often are we losing that due to the social policies that we have in Texas? And guess what? It's fairly common. We're either not getting a bid opportunity at all or it's asked during the bidding process, what's your stance here? What's going on in North Texas? Why are you all fighting about these social issues? What's the future? And we're losing. We're losing out on these businesses. And we tout ourselves in Texas as a business-friendly state, and I believe we are. We're one of the most, if not the most, business-friendly state in, in America, and I think it's wonderful. But we're shooting ourselves in the foot here to be even more competitive. Well, I hope that uh, the, the, the wisdom of that ambassador fell on willing ears to change. I, I really hope, uh, I hope that. When we come back after the break, yeah, when we come back after the break, Liz, I, I want to ask you a question uh, that I think deals with our culpability as individuals. Uh, why is it that so many people in the U.S. are not as informed as it should be about international affairs, politics, business, and, and culture as they need to be? Because I think it begins there. And how is that handicapping our potential success? We'll pick up that question after the break. Are you a business owner who has legal issues or questions? Are you a business owner who does not want to hire an attorney because of the cost? My name is Joey Garza with the law firm of Grable, Martin & Fulton. I concentrate my practice on helping businesses solve their legal issues efficiently. I also help clients reduce their legal risk to avoid costly legal conflicts. My email is jgarza at grablemartin.com. My phone number is 817-602-5815. Joey Garza is responsible for this advertising, and my primary practice location is Dallas-Fort Worth. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show with your host, Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Having a fascinating conversation with Liz Brailsford, the president and CEO of the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth work. Liz, before we went to break, I asked you a question that for me has been a mystery, although I think I know the answer, um, but it's a mystery as to, and in your experience uh, to, to this mystery, why is it that so many people, individuals in the U.S. are not as informed about international affairs, of politics, of business, and culture as they need to be, and how is that eventually, inevitably, going to handicap not only individual success, but community, corporate, and global success? Now, there's the zinger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's such a huge thing. And it, and it moves, it's moved slowly through the years, and we morph and evolve in, in different ways. But I want to bring it back to COVID for a moment. Because I think that that was a a turning point for not only our country, but our world. Of course, we are still living through so many of these after effects, and some of them are still living through uh, the pandemic in some ways. But, okay, COVID comes, someone gets sick. Um, Someone gets sick, and it might be someone that you know, and then we start to go into lockdown all over the world. Once we start to go into lockdown, then we have labor shortages. And I think for the first time, we've started to see that if you're stepping on a plane to Prague from Jerusalem, it affects you here at home in North Texas. So once we start to have labor shortages, then plants are shutting down. Then we start to have global supply chain issues. Global supply chain issues continue and continue, and more and more people are getting sick, and now it's not only your colleague or maybe your aunt, but it's your husband, it's your son, it's your daughter, whatever, and now everyone is sick, and now we have inflation issues, and now every single person on this globe is getting affected. Everyone is impacted. Everyone is impacted by global affairs, I think, maybe for the first time in a really long time, let's just say that, 
many of us are seeing how we are all connected in the fabric of our globe. And a lot of us who live and breathe international affairs, like I do, see this and read about it and live and breathe it. But so many of us in the U.S., to your question of why are we not um, engaging in international affairs, I think there's a lot of a lot of factors. So we have COVID. Maybe that's uh, rotating our minds a little bit. People are quick to forget. We're all human. But there's a lot of competing things. Our lives are busier than ever. Let's go back to COVID for a second. COVID saw rates higher than ever maybe. I'm not sure about that stat, so don't quote me on that. But we had high stats of uh, anxiety depression, loneliness, isolation. What did people do when that happened? You turn off the news. And I will be honest, I actually turned off the notifications on all my news, which is a lot that comes to me throughout the day because I need to be informed. But I turned it off for a little while there. It was a really difficult time for us as a people. And so you're turning off the news. You're worried about your family you have many other notifications that are coming in. We have all of our smartphone computers in our pockets at all times. We're busy. And so people aren't thinking about the world. Also, the United States is quite big. It's a vast mm -hmm. country. In a, in a sense, we're insulated here. Why not go to the Grand Canyon for your vacation? Why not go to New York City? That's pretty common where a lot of countries around the world, they're much smaller. They may go to a neighboring country that's much easier to get to. So there's a lot of, a lot of things. And I think that a lot of Americans feel, well, why aren't, we, why aren't we focused on taking care of our people? Why are we spending so much money and focus on other countries instead of our own people? But let me tell you, we, we spend, yes, a lot of money on foreign affairs in the federal budget. But let me say that it's less than 1% of our total federal budget, less than 1%. And I will, assure, wow. I will assure you that the money that we're spending around the world, which is helpful and we should be doing it, but it's not altruistic. Right? We're not just doing it just out of the, the goodness of our hearts. And there's a piece of that but we're also helping our own country, and we're perpetuating our place in the world, which is a, a leader. We need to be a leader. We need to be competitive. We get a lot of things because of that. And so, yes, we're taking care of others, but by doing that, we're taking care of ourselves. And so it is and important. And speaking about that, you have, uh, through the, the World Affairs Council, you have a number of programs. You alluded to that earlier. One of them is the Global Young Leaders Program, and that caught my attention immediately. How does the Global Young Leaders Program help a student and a teacher go from being an observer to an informed international partner? Well, thank you for the opportunity to talk about our work. So we have four pillars of work at the Council. One of them is our education work, which we have named our Global Young Leaders Program. So that is essentially our education work, one of the four pillars of our work. We work with 70, approximately 70 high school campuses with Junior World Affairs Councils. We don't care what kind of school you are, public, private, charter, or homeschooled, and we have Junior World Affairs Councils. And so we impact around 8,000 high school students and we work with around a thousand high school teachers and we're working with them. We're working with teachers on getting global curriculum back into the classrooms, civics, history, international affairs. And we're actually training teachers on global curriculum and why it matters. And so, like I said, over 8,000, around 8,000 high school students every single academic year. And what we want to do, our goal is to scoop these kids up early when they're young to get them passionate about the world. Because if you get them passionate when they're young, it will perpetuate into when they're an adult. And what we want to do is to make our youth more competitive for our area 
and your companies. So we are readying your companies. Yeah, you know, one of the things that caught my attention about this particular program really plays a role in answering the question that we just spoke about, the lack of, of informity uh, of international affairs and business problems. I think this program here, because it is going to provide that hands-on educational approach, not only to teachers and students, is going to make a dent uh, in the next three, five, 10, 15 years uh, and beyond. But I want to wrap up our segment here with some of the other initiatives that you uh, and the World Affairs Councils are, are working on. What would some of those other programs be at the moment? Well, thank you. So education is absolutely critical. Thanks for letting me talk, talk about that. But our other three pillars are speaker programs. We have around 70 speaker programs every single year that's open to the public. Another one is we work with the U.S. State Department on bringing emerging and mid-level leaders over to North Texas so they can meet with their counterparts in their industry. That's our International Visitors Program. I'll tell you, almost 600 heads of state have gone through that program when they were up and coming. So think along the lines of Tony Blair, Margaret Thatcher, Anwar Sadat of Egypt, and then current, just recently departed, New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. She also went through our program. Unfortunately, none of them, none of them went through North Texas, but mm -hmm. it's a critical program. So that's three of the four. And then the fourth is that we serve the city of Dallas in a public-private partnership to work with them on protocol services. So what is the protocol when you have a head of state or a high-level government delegation or a foreign minister, an ambassador? Uh, we help organize those meetings, backstop, give, brief, give briefings, help with the agendas, give support to the mayor. So we've done that for over 20 years. In a nutshell, those are the four pillars that we live and breathe for 72 years. Wow. Great work being done by a great organization with a phenomenal leader in Liz Brailsford. Liz, in our last minute here, what's the one thing or that one takeaway that you want my listeners to know about the, about the Council, the World Affairs Council of Dallas and Fort Worth as a resource? What's the one takeaway? Or anything else that you want to provide in terms of insightful perspective as a takeaway? We are in a really exciting time right now at the Council. We are coming out of the pandemic. We have new leadership. I've been here for about two years. We've got some new staff. We're at a juncture right now. We are heading to an extremely exciting future for the Council, and we want you to join us. We are a members-based organization. There's something for everyone. We're going through a rebrand right now where we're going to get a new logo, a new website, new marketing collateral, and a newsletter. And we want you to come be part of this movement. We are growing. We are shifting. We are diversifying. And you want, we want you to be with us and, and as part of our informed citizenry. It's critical, it matters, and we, we want you here. You can go well, to our website. Yes. Yeah, no, go ahead. I was going to ask you to make sure you get the website. I love it. Thank you. Uh, web, new website, by the way, should be done in late summer, but our website is dfwworld.org, and you have all the membership options on the website, and you can sign up there. Well, Liz Brailsford, you have been an absolute wonderful guest. You've provided such a great perspective on not only you as, as, as an individual behind the organization, but also the organization itself. We're going to get behind what you're doing. And anytime that you've got a new initiative, you can always count this as a place to share that to our audience. Thanks for being on the program. Jay, thank you very much for this opportunity. It's been a pleasure. Folks, we're going to be right back after the break. Hey guys, it's Sarah Jones from Cancer Support Community North Texas, where we believe in a continuum of care for everybody impacted by a cancer diagnosis. This means the patients and their friends and family too. All of our services are completely free. You can find us in Dallas, North Fort Worth, and Collin County. You can reach us at cancersupporttexas.org or give us a call at 214-345-8230. Don't forget to go to our website and check out the How to Help tab. That's where you can buy tickets to our third annual gala. Hope to see you there. 
Friends, this is Jay Mamie, and I'm thrilled to announce that our merchandise site is now open for business just in time for the holidays. My inspirational quotes, encouragement words, and thought-provoking phrases can be printed on a number of very cool items to help you stay in thriving mode. Make sure to visit my website, thejmamie.com. Look for the store link. Check out the items. Once again, that'll be at thejmamie.com. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show with your host, Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. In studio today, I'm very excited to have an impact maker. In our impact spotlight today, we always look for organizations that are making an impact in the lives of others. And we all know that cancer is quite the destructive vehicle when it is found in someone's life or the life of someone that you love or a friend. And it's, a, it's one, of these, um, one of these ailments that can absolutely create chaos in your life and the life of others as well. So the resources that become available in terms of support are so important, which is the reason why we are today sponsoring for our Impact Spotlight Cancer Support Community North Texas and we're so grateful that Blue Water Learning has partnered up with Cancer Support Community North Texas to support this particular uh, spotlight so we can hear more about this valuable resource right here in North Texas. And joining me today is the CEO of Cancer Support Community North Texas, Michelle Lewis. Michelle, welcome to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Thank you so much, Jay. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Well, we're going to dive into the goodness of what the organization provides, and we certainly want to make sure that we're clarified for those who hopefully uh, you know, are looking for resources and are, are falling short on those resources. We'll provide all that, all that the information. But before we dive into that, I'd like for our listeners to learn a little bit about the history of, uh, for now, we'll just say CSC, okay, <laughs> CSC. Uh, the organization, the history of CSC, and, and then fill us in a little bit, Michelle, on, on how you arrived at being the CEO. Absolutely. So Cancer Support Community has been around a long time, 20 years in fact. Um, we opened our first red door on Oak Lawn in 2002, mm -hmm. and then subsequently we kind of continued growing. Um, and now we have three locations, one in Dallas, one in Plano, and one out in Fort Worth. Um, we're a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and whatever we do, we provide at no cost to the cancer patient or their family, their co-workers, their next door neighbor, their friends, the support that we offer free of charge so that nobody should feel, oh my gosh, you know, this is one more thing when mm -hmm. I'm facing cancer that I'm gonna have to come out of pocket for. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said, the organization really, we see ourselves as an essential complement mm -hmm. to the truly terrific medical treatment and care that is available. But what we do, we come in on the side of understanding that when folks are hit with a cancer diagnosis or impacted in some way, there's a huge psychological, emotional and mental component to that. It's not just the diagnosis, that's one thing, but how do we get, how do we manage all those emotions and all those things that go along with the diagnosis? Mm -hmm. And that's where we come in and um, provide a really, really broad spectrum of services ranging from things like support groups and individual counseling to what folks are really wanting, which is healthy lifestyle options. So things like exercise, yoga, meditation, qigong, the things that they can take some control over. Mm -hmm. um, we bring fabulous presentations on hot topics. Okay. Um, we also provide resources and um, referrals. So if somebody is really struggling to pay their rent, we have a resource specialist who's bilingual Spanish who can actually, although we don't provide the direct financial resources we can connect somebody to say you know over here might be some assistance with paying your rent or paying your electric bill or finding food 
because again when cancer comes into that dynamic every single thing is impacted um, for an individual and then we have um, our kids program called Noogie Land mm -hmm. which kind of goes back to Gilda Radner giving you know the noogies right, right. On, on the head um, and social events because people have got to live with cancer Correct. that's kind of our philosophy it's going to come in it's going to start stripping away a lot of the things you normally do what can we do to provide opportunities for you to live and engage in your life and move forward um, so again you know um, all our services are provided by licensed mental health professionals um, we have a wonderful board of directors that supports um, what we do we are well connected into the medical community and into others like-minded folks who provide services and we've been doing it for a long time and successfully um, like I said since 2002 so what what I mean I don't know who uh, was inspired to start the the organization but what was the let's say the launching pad uh, for it because I'm surprised it's been around for 20 years now mm -hmm. but as you and I were, were discussing uh, earlier it's not a resource that many people are yet aware of mm -hmm. or or at least have uh, tap into and it's been around for 20 years mm -hmm. so let how did it begin and why do you think that's an organization that's been around for 20 years is not as known as it should be considering we're talking about cancer support I think so okay so the launching pad really was um, Gilda Radner and oh, okay. yeah so um, Gilda herself had an ovarian cancer diagnosis mm -hmm. and when she was out in California she connected with an organization out there called the wellness community where she did go for the psychosocial emotional mental health support while she was getting treated you know, and then she said her husband at the time was Gene Wilder, and she said, oh. you know, this is great. Okay, I can go to California and get the support I need, but I come back to New York City, and there's nothing. Mm -hmm. um, so sadly, she did pass away. Right. Um, and then Gene Wilder, uh, Mandy Potemkin, the late Joel Siegel, um, and a bunch of other, their other friends got together and said, you know, Gilda always said, we need the support. And so they came together and formed the Gilders Club organization that opened in New York City to begin with. And then kind of organically across the country, people said, well, we need that. We need that. Why don't we have that? And so organically across the country, more Gilders Clubs came, to, um, came into formation. And then round about 2009, the Gilders Club organization together with a wellness community, each of whom had about 24 affiliates like Cancer Support Community, North Texas. They said, you know, you kind of do what we do. We kind of do what you do. Why don't we think about combining our efforts um, with the intention of service, serving more people? It's exactly what happened. And so today, um, the umbrella was created, Cancer mm -hmm. Support Community Umbrella. And that kind of provided, again, the umbrella for those two organizations to merge and try and reach many more people. And then, you know, to your point, so why don't more people know about it or know about Cancer Support Community and the resources we offer? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's kind of like, who wants to think about cancer? Right. It, you know, we plan for a vacation, we plan to retire, we plan for this incredible trip we don't plan to get cancer right but sadly it you know 50% of, of um, the aging population is going to be impacted by cancer one in two men one in three women will get a diagnosis in their lifetime mm. so again it's not at the forefront of our mind and then when it arrives on the scene we get so busy getting and taking care of ourselves medically and physically and unfortunately or and I, I do understand why because um, you know the the guys who are offering the services they focused on getting you well they focused on diagnosis they focused on treatment and that is their sole focus and so we come in sort of as a 
a redhead stepchild, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for once, oh, yes, that's kind of nice. But not only is it nice, it's an essential component. So now what we're seeing is that there is some gravitational pull to where our medical and healthcare professionals are saying, hey, we're going to take care of you and take care of you, you know, whatever comes on with you from a medical standpoint. But in order for you really to thrive and come out on the other side of this thing, you need to be able to get some support. And then now they are more and more starting to direct folks to cancer support community and other like-minded organizations mm -hmm. that provide that psychosocial support for folks that so desperately need it. I tell you, one of the key things you just said, uh, and there's a great way to close the segment, you mentioned that we speak cancer. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of people, the difficulty is where they feel that unless the other person has walked in their shoes, they're not going to understand the plight, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. They're not going to resonate with the pain and the suffering and the psychosocial, mm -hmm. emotional roller coaster. Yeah. But having people here that have walked that walk, mm -hmm. I think, is one of those ingredients that makes this place so special. Absolutely. Where can people find more information and get behind in supporting the uh, cancer support community in North Texas, whether it's financially or with volunteering? Where can people go to get that information? Okay. So, really simply, if you go to cancersupporttexas.org, that's our website. Everything you could want to find out about that is there. And Jay, you know, I do want to mention because your audience, many of your audience is business oriented. Yes. Um, you know, we understand the impact of cancer on the workplace. And so for folks who are in an HR department or, you know, understanding that they are employing a significant number of people who are going to be impacted by cancer, whether it's a diagnosis or whether that those folks are supporting their family members, um, we can assist in very definitely with that. So we invite you guys, you know, if you're a business organization who wants to know how you can support your staff members or whatever that looks like who are facing this disease, give us a call. Excellent. Go on our website, give us a call. We can make a huge impact for your, for the folks who work for you. I appreciate you sharing all the goodness of the organization. Michelle, I appreciate you. what you do in your leadership position. We also want to uh, thank uh, Blue Water Learning, fantastic organization. They are also involved in transforming lives by focusing on relationships, impact, and flexibility. They're a huge component of, of uh, the organization as well. So we appreciate your time, and I hope that our listening audience will track the information down and certainly become a supporter. If not, at one day, hopefully it won't happen, but they understand there's a resource here should they Absolutely. ever find themselves in need of it. Absolutely. Thank you, Jay, for the opportunity. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Folks, that wraps up another fantastic Sunday. We'll see you next week for the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Till then, keep thriving.